Hi, welcome to this week's episode of That Brooklyn Film Show. This week we'll be discussing Edgar Wright, his movies, and his style. Edgar Wright is an English film director, screenwriter, and producer. He is famous for some of his films such as Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The World's End, and Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. This week we'll take a dive into some of his movies, talk about whether or not his directing style translates across genres, and rank the films that we watched. So Jabari, let's get into the first one. Sean is a 30-something loser with a dull, easy existence. When he's not working at the electronics store, he lives with his slovenly best friend, Ed, in a small flat on the outskirts of London. The only unpredictable element in his life is his girlfriend, Liz, who wishes desperately for Sean to grow up and be a man. When the town is inexplicably overrun with zombies, Sean must rise to the occasion and protect both Liz and his mother. So, Sean of the Dead was one of Edgar Wright's most famous films, I would say. That's like... The film that somewhat made his, like, style, you know, well known, known to the public. Yeah. What did you think about it? I mean, I like Shaun of the Dead a lot. Um, I've seen it a few times, so this wasn't my first time watching it. It probably won't be my last time watching it because I feel like you can rewatch it and it's still just as funny um, each time you watch it. I think this time, though, I did notice a few more things. So the way he'll use, like, the TV to you know, set up the zombie apocalypse, but instead of just showing like a news channel talking about it the whole time, it's flipping through the channel. So you'll go from a newscast to like a singer singing about zombies or something or some someone singing about death in like a National Geographic um, channel. And you kind of piece the story together that way or the fact that he's so aloof that he's not noticing that there's a literal zombie apocalypse happening around him. Um, I think that his style is pretty clever, and I think that's what makes it interesting to watch. Yeah. Um, Edgar Wright has a very unique editing style. I think that's, like, one of his most, you know, famous aspects is, like you said, the way he flips through the channels and is, like, telling the story that way. Shaun of the Dead, I think, is a movie that holds up really well. Like, I was kind of worried, like, okay, is this movie going to still be funny? Is it still going to hold up in today's time? You know, we have, like zombie overflow right now with so many zombie movies and stuff coming out but i think as a film it definitely holds up and that um i enjoyed it a lot like i wasn't really i was going to with no expectations like okay i'm seeing this movie for the first time in years and i wonder how it's gonna hold up but i think the movie holds up really really well and it's like a film that i think if someone said okay what's a good Edgar Wright film to watch i think this is the first one i would recommend because it kind of encapsulates all the aspects of what it makes his style unique, which is the comedy, the editing, the um, unique storytelling. And it has Simon Pegg, which is one of his favorite go-to actors as well. Yeah, him and Simon Pegg, again, kind of did a trilogy of movies together. So you had Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. We only watched Shaun of the Dead just so we can kind of diversify the movies of his that we watched. But he does have like um, a few films with uh, Simon Pegg, and it's kind of like a... Uh, unofficial trilogy of movies um but i think all of them kind of work really well and you can see i think simon Pegg also kind of brings his own style into it because i do think he was a co-writer i believe on the screenplay um so it is in part to simon Pegg some of the humor probably but it's a good like working relationship that they worked together for so long and kind of built out these films um I also like the fact that it's a zombie movie, but it's kind of like very grounded um, in this small town. It's not like, oh, let's see, like the whole world. Oh, how, the, yeah. Taken, yeah, it's just this small or I think it's all of London, but you just kind of see like yeah. this small group of people trying to. There's definitely a unique aspect where it's like the zombies are kind of like in that small area. So it's <laughs> kind of like a minor outbreak of zombies and they are able to get it under quarantine and under control very quickly. <laughs> actually, yeah. And when they're like literally exploiting the zombies for like entertainment and stuff, mm -hmm. it's like, I can see that happening. Like if there was zombies, we'd have zombie TV shows and stuff like that. Like, Oh yeah. Like gladiator style yeah, zombie fights like and zombie deal or no deal or something. Mm -hmm. Like there would be different exploitative ways of, you know, using the zombies. So I actually really enjoyed how they incorporated them into the world. And not making it like, oh my god, the world is ending Yeah, a zombie movie. I also liked, I think there was, I can't remember exactly the line, but at the beginning of the movie, it kind of like outlined what they were going to do. It was like, we're going to go here, and then we'll end up here, and then we'll end it here. Yeah. And I think that's actually what happened. It just so happened that that happened during a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. So, um, And I feel like they were able to bring emotion into it, so you actually cared about the characters. Um, I like the way you had the scene where... 
well, one, the, the way they bring humor into it, like, so the scene where they're throwing the records at the zombies and they're like, not this record, you can't throw um, Purple Rain, but you can throw the Batman oh, soundtrack or things like that. Um, or the scene where they like meet the mirror images of themselves in a yeah, way. A and yeah. Um, or even like, we'll get into music a little bit more with Scott Pilgrim and baby driver, but even the scene when they're in the pub towards the end and they're fighting the zombie with the sticks. And it's like, they're fighting him on beat to that song that they were listening to, which I think is like a pretty cool, again, which is really um, right thing, which is huge. And all his movies, music is plays a big role in mm-hmm. the films. And it's not just like, oh, we're going to like, you know, add music in as like a background. Music kind of controls the tone of the movie, the movie. I was saying, in a way. Yeah. And that you can see that everything that he, a lot of what he does is like on beat in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think, like you said, Baby Driver is probably the one that's most on beat. And Scott Pilgrim as well. But I think even in um, Shaun of the Dead, as you're saying, with the record throwing and everything like that, there's still a tone of like music being an integral part of the movie. Yeah. Which is really what I like about his films in general. Yeah. Um, so any final thoughts about Shaun of the Dead before we move on to Scott Pilgrim? Yeah, I think it, um, the movie holds up a lot better than I thought it was going to because, you know, sometimes those early 2000 movies could be a little bit rough rewatch. But I <laughs> think that um, while I was watching, I wasn't thinking about, oh, my God, this was made in the 2000s. It was kind of like, this is a great film, any era that you watch it in, and I really enjoyed it because it was, it was like a nice tonal change of the zombie movies that I've been re- watching recently. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to go back to something that was like, okay, we're going to play on the zombie films, but in a more like humorous way, which is what you don't see a lot. Yeah. Um, I agree with everything you said. I also think that a lot of times early 2000s movies lean very heavily into early 2000s culture, yeah, tropes, which know. can then make it age poorly. I think this one kind of just leaned into like the storytelling and the zombie aspect of it. And then the humor, some of it was a little, you know. Yeah, it, was, like, I think, it wasn't like laugh yeah. out loud all the time, but I still think some, most of the humor holds up well. Yeah. And um, like you were saying, um, the music that they used wasn't music from the 2000s. Mm-hmm. It was like classic music in a way, so that's going to hold up in any era that you watch it in. It was like if they were playing like Britney Spears and um, stuff like that. It might have. It might have felt more mm-hmm. 2000s, but since they were playing older school music, it didn't really feel aged because it was like, the classics are going to be classic no matter when you listen to them. Yeah. As opposed to playing music specifically from the era. Yeah. Okay. We're next going to dive into Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which was released in 2010. As a bass guitarist for a garage rock band, Scott Pilgrim, played by Michael Cera, has never had trouble getting a girlfriend. Usually the problem is getting rid of them. But when Ramona Flowers, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, skates into his heart, he finds she has the most troublesome baggage of all. An army of ex-boyfriends, although it just should be exes because that's like a very big thing in the movie, yeah. um, who will stop at nothing to eliminate him from her list of suitors. So what do you think of this one, Jabari? Um, I thought the movie was very unique. Like, I think I really enjoyed the ex-boyfriend aspect. It feels like a movie that should have been a TV show to me. Mm. And that like each boyfriend could have been his own TV show because I felt like they were running through them kind of fast. Um, that was my favorite aspect. It was like, seeing what powers or what abilities each boyfriend would have or what their connection to Ramona was. My least favorite aspect of the movie was Scott himself. He was such a jerk. Like, usually when you have, like, a, a protagonist, there's some likable aspects. Scott has zero redeeming qualities. Yeah. Like, he was completely selfish. He was self-absorbed. He just thought only about himself. But I think that was kind of the point of it. Like, I think he was supposed to be a jerk. Everyone kept telling him he was a jerk. Um... What's her name? The one that kept like cursing at him. Aubrey Plaza's character. Oh, yeah, yeah, her I can't character. Her name, she was yeah. just kind of like, "You're a jerk." Yeah. His sister was like, "You're a jerk," but I think that was part of like the whole thing about it. But I feel like they were kind of like turning him into a hero, despite the fact him being like a super jerk and trying to make him feel like like make you feel bad for him, which I didn't really feel bad for him at any point. Mm-hmm. But I think like the way they utilized the ex boyfriends, like their powers. It was, like, funny and was on beat to, like, what Edgar's right tone was. Like, I think he was a great person to pick to direct this film. Yeah. Yeah, I think rewatching it this time around, I've seen it before. Yeah, I realized more so that Scott was definitely, like, an asshole. Yeah. Um, But I still enjoyed the movie because I think it's so, I know it's so stylized in a way that I think it was, like, really cool, that fact that I think it's adapted from 
a graphic novel, which is based off of like, it's not based off of video games, but it kind of leaned into the video game aspect of things. And I like the fact that he translated that to the screen. So things like when people are getting hit, it says like bam or pow or people they actually turn into arcade coins when they get killed. You have the vegan police, like (laughs) these things that come out of nowhere. And I think it's just, I don't know. It leans so heavily into that, that I think it made the movie more interesting than it could have been. Even things like um, his gay roommate, he would like be texting in his yeah. sleep and then he would just say things like, this is my gay roommate. It's like, why are we pointing this out every time we're yeah. introducing the character or the part where he was like, Scott's not home when Knives came to visit and then mm-hmm. you see him window. jump out of the window yeah. so they close the door and they open a little bit and you just see Scott jump out of the window. Things yeah. like that I really enjoyed about this movie. Whenever Aubrey Plaza's character curse, it just goes, beep, 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 beep. It was like a... Yeah. Bar over her mouth, and it's kind of like, who thinks to to do things like that to like emphasize how cartoonish it is in a way, but you're making a live action movie. Yeah, it was um like the all the boyfriends was like the final boss that he got to fight. So like (laughs) the the the, um Indian one. Well, I was like, I was like, this this is a little problematic here. (laughs) like I was like, there was a there was a few laugh out loud moments for me. It's like the Bollywood dance. I was. Laughing because it was so ignorant that I'm like, they're really actually doing this. Yeah. Um, the vegan police where he put the half and half in his um <laughs> coffee, then and the vegan police came and took his powers away. I think it was the, that part was funny because of the three strikes, and then they like yeah. went down the line. He's like chicken parmesan. He's like chicken's oh, yeah, not vegan. Yeah. Like, half and half you could kind of get away with. Yeah. yeah. Whole chicken parmesan. It's like <laughs> that's the opposite of vegan. Um. Yeah. Like um. What's his name? Um. Chris. What's his name? Not Evans. Chris, Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. Um, how he was having his, um, the, um, what do you call those? Stun doubles. The stun doubles jumping Scott at that point. I was like, mm. this is just ridiculous. And how he died because he wanted to prove himself by grinding on the rail. Yeah. And it's just like a lot of the films, um, com- comedic beats hit. Yeah. And even, I did enjoy that about it. I just did didn't not like, like Scott. Scott. Yeah. Even like the whole part with knives when she dyes her hair and she's like having the monologue. She's like, she's so old. She's like 25 or something like yeah. that. I'm like to a 17 year old. Yeah. That's like ancient. But the yeah. fact that he's also dating a 17 year old and that's what I'm saying. Like everyone, God, he was dating a 17 year old, but he was manipulating her. Yeah. And then he was, um, manipulated his last ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. and then he only run a remote pretty much because she didn't want him. Like he just, if like she was different. Him, yeah. She was different. She was a manic pixie. And it was just kind of like, Oh, I want her because she's like rejecting me and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And it was just like everything about Scott was ridiculous. But yeah, like the the comedic beats hit, like when he smacked the dye out of her hair or something like that. I was yeah. like, <laughs> so it's like you really hit the like, dye out of her hair. It's like how do you do stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Or even when um they had like the uh poster of Envy, his ex girlfriend, and then it was like she was really there. So then she steps into like oh, the yeah, actual. That was a cool part, yeah. So I just, I don't know. I think like the actual directing and like editing aspects of it were really yeah. cool. Scott's character, yeah, wasn't the best, but I think like the world developed around him was yeah. interesting enough. And I think it was kind of the point that he wasn't great. Like, I don't think he was supposed to be. So I think that makes it better than if he's supposed to be like a jerk and you're not supposed to be rooting for him versus yeah. like. I just feel like he didn't learn a lesson in that film. I guess and the whole thing was supposed to be he learned to like, because I think he was like self depreciating as well. Yeah. So I think he was supposed to like learn that he loves himself which is why at the end yeah. he won through the power of self-love as opposed to but um one thing i think could have been improved was that i feel like ramona didn't have much of her own agency oh yeah not and at i all. think um i was actually reading something where they were talking about edgar wright and his inability to write an interesting love interest and i kind of do get that from a lot of his movies where the love interest only serves to um you know help the character gain more of agency. their own agency mm-hmm. they don't have their own agency it's just like okay we're putting you in here to keep this character's arc going. Yeah. And I kind of felt that about Ramona. I felt that about Liz and um, Shaun, oh, of, Shaun the of the Dead. Dead. When we talk about um, Last Night in Soho, the black guy, he was the worst Oh, guy. yeah. <laughs> My God, that man has zero agency outside of... Um, Even Baby Driver, she didn't have any agency. I'm like, you're going to yeah, run away with just, a criminal? Because why? Each, they, met, they met each other like a couple of days ago, and they're ready to run away to Atlanta or something like that because... They were in Atlanta already. Oh. Okay. Yeah, so they were oh, going to run away, away from away Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, it's like... I meet you, so let's run away. But I like I, I, again, ride or die. Not my mentality. You committing crimes, then it's time for me to go. But in yeah, that movie, she sense. was definitely like, she was a ride or die, and she just met him. Yeah, I tell my was, friends all the time: if you do any crimes around me, just know that one. Yeah, we 
Once the, the officers come, I'll start singing right away. I'm going to call 911 there and start letting them know what's going on. I'm not trying to, not go, trying to, to go to jail for no one. Yeah, like, don't steal no candy around me. Don't rob well, candy. You're going to call cops for candy. You're a wild man. Okay. Um, all right. With that, we want to get into final thoughts. So my final thoughts about Scott Pilgrim is that I would recommend the movie, like, heavily for people. To, it's like a fun movie to watch because of the unique style. Like... I love the fact that they played into the um video game aspects, the music aspects, um the uniqueness of each boyfriend and the characters. But I um like talking about it made me enjoy it, realize I enjoyed it more than I was thinking after I finished it. It's like okay, now that I'm recount I'm recapping some of the um events and then the um arcs of the movie and stuff like that. It's like okay, I really actually did enjoy this cuz I did find myself laughing out loud to a lot of the scenes so i definitely enjoyed it and i would recommend people to watch it because it's just really unique and you don't see a lot of movies like it at all and it made me want to read the graphic novel yeah i i mean i knew i enjoyed scott pilgrim i think this time around i did realize that scott wasn't the best um but i yeah again i think the unique style to it the way they again lean into that graphic novel video game aspect of it is what made me like it in the first place and that didn't go away watching it this time around because I feel like so many video game comic or comic books not so much but like video game movies are really bad so the fact that this was so interesting especially because it leading to like more arcade kind of video games too um I really enjoyed it it's like a video game movie but in a different way than like Tomb Raider might be a video Video game game movie movie. that's a movie based on video games this is a movie where like video games is in the world itself yeah it's like no he was turning people into coins, and no one was like, "What is going on?" Like, this is not natural. Even the people way just kind of like they just going with it. Yeah, even the way Chris Evans' character was like acting in a movie scene, but yeah. then really talking to Scott, and then his stunt doubles are like, "This is not things that would happen normally." And then when he skateboarded down the pipe, and he like didn't make it and just <laughs> yeah, burst into up. a bunch of coins, no one was like, "Hmm." He turned into coins. The first thing he did when he met Scott was like uppercut him into a building. Yeah, and, and no one's like, "Okay, this is weird." Yeah, and Scott just kind of like evil ex boyfriends come and he just jumps into it like, "Okay, I got powers now too." It's like they're playing guitar or the piano yeah. and they're dragons like. That was probably my favorite part of the movie is when um the vegan and Scott were playing the guitar against each other. Mm-hmm. Like I really enjoyed that part a lot. Yeah. Um. So with that, let's deep dive into um his latest movie, which is Last Night in Soho, which I think is probably the biggest departure from his normal style because this is more of a psychological thriller, yeah. horror-style movie. Um, so pretty much it's about an aspiring fashion designer uh, who is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters a dazzling wannabe singer. However, the glamour is not all it appears to be, and the dreams of the past start to crack and splinter into something far darker. I think we should approach this two ways um i want to talk about it kind of generally with um no spoilers but i do kind of want to get into spoilers as well i feel like it's a hard film to discuss without discussing the spoilers yeah so let's do a quick discussion without spoilers and then we can get into some spoilers while we talk about it so i don't like to like rip on movies if you know what i'm saying like you know you always have those youtubes like oh this movie's so bad let me tell you why i feel like every film you could kind of get something positive from it so as far as the positive goes i think the Filming of the film was really beautiful, especially in the 1960 scenes. Like I think that when they went back in time, the um, the lighting, the camera work, the um, cinematography, and the acting was all really on point. Like I really love the um actor who played the manager. Like the um, you know, the um woman in the 60s manager. Oh um, the the creeper. The creeper. Yeah, yeah. 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 Matt Smith, I think his name. Yeah, he yeah, was really a doctor. Was doctor. Who. He was really um, he was creepy. Like, I was sitting there like, why are you trusting this guy? Like, he's coming off as a creep. And I thought that was um really effective. I liked, um I don't know, any Ann Taylor-Joy? Anya Taylor-Joy. Anya, she was really good in the film as well. Like, I think... I think she just had the very expressive face. Yeah, naturally. She yeah. just has, like, really expressive face. I thought her scenes were really good. Um, The set design was amazing. The fashion was amazing. I just have problems with the... um woman in the 19 um in the 2000s in current day yeah yeah i didn't really like a lot of her scenes and then i have some problems with the um how they played on some of the things thematically like we'll talk about that when we get into the spoilers but i feel like the script could have used a lot of work and it felt a little bit outdated for the times that we live in like i feel like this is something that you might have seen like in the 2000s 
1990s as opposed to 2021 where certain conventions aren't really used that much anymore. So, yeah, I mean, for me, um, I don't think I disliked it as much as you. I think it wasn't my favorite of his films for sure. Um, I do think that the 1960s aspects were stronger because I think that those had more interesting themes than the current storyline did. Um, And I think that, I don't know, I think that a lot of the characterization, especially more so in the current day, of a lot of the characters were very one note. So like a lot of people, again, like you mentioned, the love interest definitely didn't have any agency here. Her roommate felt like just a stereotypical mean girl as opposed to like fully fledged out people. Um, And I feel like that was kind of what detracted from the film. But like you said, like the 1960 aspect, the film was beautiful. The stories were interesting. It just didn't translate well when you got to present day. And I think there could have been some things done with that, but I feel like Edgar Wright was just trying to get the character from being in dorms to like this other place where she's kind of like yeah, in a thin veil. Yeah. Kind of fast. You ready to get into spoilers a little bit? Cause I feel like I'm gonna talk about plot points of the film. So, Okay, yeah, so kind of a general spoiler warning here. Um, Let's get into spoilers for Last Night in Soho a little bit. So, I mean, this is early in the film, but it's like you said with the friend, the one that was just like typical 2000s mean girl, I felt like we didn't learn enough about her character to care about her every character in the world down from the grandmother to the um love interest to her would just serve to push this girl's arc but didn't have agency outside of their own and i felt like a lot of the characters were like it's kind of like um and us how like when they're not doing anything you know how they're just walking around downstairs just you know doing nothing it's like i felt like a lot of the characters would just be staring at a wall like okay when is my time to come in and help this woman go forward okay, it's my turn, and then they're going to go do what they got to do. It felt like they didn't have lives of their own outside of her. Yeah. And that was my biggest problem with the um, characters in the film. Like, I had problems with the plot as well. I think well-written films is kind of like Shaun of the Dead. You felt like Ed would just stay there and play video games all day because they kind of gave him his own personality outside that that's what he of would the do. main character, yeah. outside, of Simon Pe- outside of Simon Pegg's character. Um, Liz, like, she had a little bit less um, character than Ed, we kind of feel like she might have been hanging out with her friends or doing other things outside of him. I feel like in this movie, he wanted to like do these two characters, which is Aunt Taylor Joy and the character in the 2000s, so much that he didn't really take the time to develop the other characters, which is what I had a big problem with. Yeah. Um, I was going to say that it reminds me of Waves. That came out yeah. a couple of years ago. Um, not the actual story of it, but just the fact that this one is kind of like she was the main character. And I like the fact that Waves was, you saw kind of the sister in the background and he was the main character. And then oh, you yeah. go into her story and she's the main character. It's kind of like you are, you know, the main character. I'm using finger quotes here, but the main character of your own life mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. But everyone else around you is also living their, their life. Lives. And they are still full people. But in this movie, it didn't feel like anyone else besides um, the main character. I can't remember her name. But yeah, I don't, I don't remember. That's yeah. another problem. I, don't, I, I remember the one name. from the '60s. Her name was, or her name was, was Sandy. Sandy. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's the problem. The fact that you can remember the the Sandy, 60s, but you can't yeah. remember the um, main character from the 2000s. But it felt like, yeah, like she was the main character in a way that no one else kind of felt real. Like they were all just there to serve her purpose. From the mean girl being super mean to her, and again, like an early 2000s way, like she goes, "Oh, my mom kills herself," and. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the friend's re- or her roommate's response was, oh, well, my uncle once killed himself, too. Like, it just felt so scary. Like, it, I felt like I was they watching Mean the Girls. comedy of it. It's like, but oh, it, I got to one-up her, and this is my only character trait, so I'm going to one-up you right now. Yeah. It's like, this, this, um, I thought they were going to, they are going to, like, play into the, um, I thought the, the mean girl would have an arc throughout the movie. But she didn't. Like, I'm going to be mean, but I'm going to understand that you're going through this because your mother died. My mother died. Let's connect. Mm-hmm. She was a mean girl to the very last minute where she looked at her like, I'm still the mean girl. It's yeah, like, even like 
And then her friends were one note where they're just only... They're the lackeys of the mean girl. Yeah, but it's like, you're all in college. Like, this yes, is... And that's another thing. It felt very high school. Like, yeah. this, this isn't... Or middle school even. Like, not even high school. It felt very middle school. Yeah, it was, and it was bad. And that's they're in college. And, yeah, people can be mean in college, but it also felt like... I don't know. I feel like a lot of times with... Especially, like, college um, or, I guess, university in, like, England. Um, there's just a lot more people. Like, yeah. it's not going to be like you can only hang out with these this group of people there's a lot more people so she could have easily found her group of people but they wanted to push her to this house so that she can be pushed into the 60s Mm -hmm. and kind of discover this story which again was interesting i think the story in the 60s which we can go into now um was just like a lot more interesting with the idea of people or women in particular being exploited and ending up in like prostitution Mm -hmm. because they were trying to become famous and the only thing they could sell at the end of the day when they're like swindled like she was swindled by her manager Mm -hmm. she sang the song and everything she thought it was going to be one thing and it turns out was something completely different um that's far more interesting like i just read this book um a little while ago called seven husbands of evelyn hugo Mm -hmm. and the main character of the book was like an actress from the 1950s and she was like from a young age I realized I was pretty and I could use my body and my looks to get to where I want to be and that's what she did to get famous and I feel like that was like a lot of times what ended up happening then probably now too but then in particular and I feel like that was the interesting aspect of the 1960s story but how it went wrong for um Sandy and then how that kind of made Sandy and who we find out she ends up being at the end of the movie, again, which would be far more interesting than yeah. <laughs> the rest of it. I think the 1960s aspect worked really well in the sense that the film that... All right, so he was trying to make... A, I feel like when you're trying to make a horror film, it's going to be obvious. It's like, okay, we got to have the scariness and then the twist. It's like the shadowy figures every single time. It's like, okay, I get it. She's being chased by... The shadow figures who represent men being creeps and stuff like that. But I think when they were in the 60s and it was kind of going from like, you know, 60s glam, like, you know, the whole, oh, let's make make America great. This is the back when America was great. Mm, well, it's like for who? For like, back when London was great. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, making them, I'm making London great again. It's like for who? But it's like um, they de-glamorized the 60s really well, I think. It's like, all right, so she went from dancing, like, you know, she went from looking at this woman on stage to running around London with um the creep to then dancing as a background dancer, but only for, like, a pretty much, not a gentleman's club, but kind of like, like that. Like a gentleman's-esque club, yeah. Yeah, to then realizing that the people that she was glamorizing were not happy. You know, I did like some of his attention to detail in the um, scene when she was first performing in that club or the second time she was performing in that club as like the background dancer. You see the creep speaking to the guy that he punched in the face Yeah. at the other club, pretending he was protecting her. So it's kind of like they were all in cahoots. It's like when politicians Anyways. debate each other and talk about, oh, I hate you. But then behind the scenes, they're all BFFs. Yeah. It's kind of like, all right, he punched the guy, but... At the end of the day, their um, boys' club is what matters more mm-hmm. than how he treats her. Yeah, I th- also- like you know this guy's been a creep in the past before, mm-hmm. but he probably just was like, "Oh, we're still friends." At the end of the day, yeah. I mean, and he was also ultimately he was a creep, yeah, a creep I mean, himself. Yeah. Um, I also think it was I like the scene when they're in. She's in the club and she's just meeting all of these new men, and it kind of flashes. And every time she's kind of giving them a new name. Of what her name is like, uh, what her name was really real name was Alexandra, right? So she went by Sandy though, so it'd be like Alex, um, Allie, this like, and then just kind of like creating a new persona to kind of bury away the pain of what she was actually mm-hmm. having to do, and then again seeing how that ultimately led who who she was. Which do you want to kind of just get into that the biggest spoiler <laughs> I guess of the movie? Yeah, pretty much that. Um, all right, so the biggest part and the big issue with the film is that um so the landlord of the house that she lived in was sandy but in the future yeah so the film was essentially her being a medium and able to feel the ghost of the men that sandy killed and buried in the floorboards 
was in her um when she was a prostitute, she would then start killing the clients, I guess as a way to gain back her own agency agency and her own, I guess, love of herself or self respect of herself or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I think that's a problem that I have with the film is that it felt like a twist that was kind of forced to me. Well, first of all, I didn't like the fact that she was a medium because I don't think they played into that at all. So I was actually um reading Reddit movies, which is one of the best Reddits out there if you want to follow Reddit movies. Um, <laughs> someone said that a film that did what this movie was trying to do much better was um, Perfect Blue. Yeah. In the sense that, you know, it's about the glorification of fame and what you want out of life and you know you know like those people that'd be like oh I'm, I'm i'm not born in the right time if i was born in the 60s i'll be happy it was kind of a this movie was kind of like okay we're gonna deconstruct that if you were born in the past you would be happy because there still were problems back then but what perfect blue did better than this film was play on the fact that someone who was being perceived as crazy is actually not crazy but there's things in their life that are real, but no one else is like, people are gaslighting them. Like, oh, you, this is not really happening, blah, blah. I think the elements that this film failed on was that they were trying to be like, is she schizophrenic? Is she mentally ill? Because they were like, the grandmother was like, oh, when your mother went to London, she couldn't handle it. And that's why she ended up committing suicide. But what she, the film then tried to do was like, oh, okay, so she's not really seeing ghosts. She's meant. She might be mentally ill, and like when she was in the police department, they were like, "Oh, look, she's talking about crazy stuff." And I'm sitting there like, "Yo, this person's talking about how there's ghosts in her house, and there's there might be people, someone that was murdered here. Can you find it?" And they're just laughing at her in the bathroom. I would have been like, "Yo, we're gonna get you some help because this is something that actually sounds like something that someone mentally ill might say." But then in the end, they're like. She's not mentally ill. This is what really is happening. I'm like, why did you play up the fact that she might be mentally ill? Like, that's one thing I did not like about the movie at all. I I mean, I didn't get that from it. Um, I thought from the very beginning that she wasn't mentally ill. Like, I figured that what she was seeing was real. I think part of the, one of the ways they try to show you is that when she had, like, the hickey on her neck was, like, she actually was in the past or whatever because that's what happened to the woman in the past. Um but I didn't I didn't get that vibe from it. I do get the vibe that people didn't believe her, obviously, which is why the police were laughing at her. But even at the beginning, I think it was supposed to be like not that she was mentally ill, just that she was kind of entering this new environment that could be overwhelming for her. Because imagine growing up in like a small, small town and maybe she does have mental issues, but I never believed that it was that she was schizophrenic or anything like that. I thought maybe it was something else like anxiety or things like that. Um and just because her grandmother even said to her before she left, she was like, your mother, it was hard for her there and she didn't have the ability that you have. So I kind of thought from the beginning that they were hinting that she has this ability and maybe that'll make it even harder for her to live in London mm -hmm. rather than the ability isn't real. It's like okay. the ability paired with maybe anxiety, maybe like the pressure of succeeding in a big city combined could mess her up, which is obviously what ended up. Yeah. Happening. Um, and I do think, yeah, I think the interesting aspect, again, of her character was the fact that she glamorized the 60s so much and was like, I, I should have existed then. And she realized, you know, any time yeah. that you live in couldn't be bad or good. Um, again, the ca a character I did not like, which we didn't talk about as much, um, was the love interest. And I feel like he was maybe the weakest love interest of them all in all of his movies. Um, I don't know. I feel like he just kept going back and it made no sense as to why, because she wasn't given much. Like she wasn't given anything. She wasn't given was anything. annoying in the sense that he would force, it felt like he wasn't getting the hint, you know, like, yeah, you know, like, all right, shoot your shot. You get rejected. I, you might want to try one more time. You get rejected. That's when you kind of back off a little bit. When she started screaming in bed and yeah, even attacking that, the air, like he would be mm -hmm. like, he would be like, "Oh, I stole your Coca Cola. Um, here's another one." She'd be like, "Thank you." Then trying to walk off, and then he's trying to, "Oh, let's go hang out." Then she's walking off, and then it's like when she's at her lowest point. That's when she finally agrees because she don't want to be home no more. And I'm like, "Okay, this girl, yeah, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> she has no other choice." It's kind of like it, he felt like what a guy would write as a good romantic interest in that you keep forcing, you keep forcing, and you keep forcing. And then eventually and so they're going to say yes. It's mm -hmm. like, 
I don't really like how they went about using him. And then outside of that, he has zero character of his own, like, outside of her. Yeah, it was just to be her love interest, to be yeah. interested in her throughout the movie. And she I don't know, maybe he would have been better. He was like, oh, it was an accident. I'm like, yeah. come on, man. You almost stabbed this girl in the face. face yeah. And, he, of course, he's the only one that believes her because, again, he likes her. So, yeah. like, did he even really believe her? Did he just like her enough to say, I'm going to help out? Um I don't know. I feel like for most people, and, you know, maybe it's a good thing that he wasn't like this, but I feel like we should have had more development. I think they try to say, like, he was from South London, so maybe that kind of is why he empathized with her because he felt like a fish out of water there, too. I was confused. Like, were they trying to say, like, because he's black, he feels a little bit out of water? Like, I didn't know. Is it because of the classism and like, South think, London's poorer? Yeah, I think maybe it's, like, a combination of all of those things. Like, I feel like the race aspect could have played a role. White girl screaming in the room with this black guy. Yeah, that's like, definitely. That's not going to end in a good way, but I feel like all. they didn't play into that at all. Yeah. But, like um, calling the cops. And I'm like, this is not, this is not good. Yeah. Uh, like, um, and maybe, I don't know if it's like thought of differently a little bit in London. I mean, I'm, obviously racism is still a thing there, but maybe it's just um, thought of a little bit differently in London. But yeah, having a black character where this white girl screaming yeah. in bed and the landlord is this like older white woman and you're going to call the cops on him. I'm like, optically the optics wise, this, this isn't a great scene. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting to hear that you didn't look at the um, whole thing as like a mental health thing. Cause that's what I immediately got from it. Mm -hmm. Cause I feel like some of the, um, I think maybe to me, it was like the small hints, like the fact that she saw her mother and it wasn't kind of regarded as, um, like she was crazy or the fact that her grandmother even said, do you mm-hmm. still see her? Like she, her, maybe it's because her grandmother knew her, but her grandmother didn't treat her like she was yeah. schizophrenic or anything like that. Her grandmother just treated her like ability. No, I didn't think she so. was schizo like initially. I think that, um, I thought that the atmosphere of London was triggering the mental health issues that she was having. I think for sure it was triggering, but I also yeah. think that, I think she was like, like a medium with, again, with like, other issues maybe so like mm-hmm. maybe again maybe anxiety me i don't yeah. wanna, i can't diagnose a character in a film but you know yeah. like things that get exasperated in new environments that's what i thought was going on yeah. i thought they were trying to say like oh you're it's it's kind of i, I, I guess because the mother committed suicide yeah. i keep thinking about midsummer i keep thinking about perfect blue where mental health played a big role in a lot of those films so i was thinking that her mental health issues were being triggered by the environment that she was in because the mother committed suicide from London and how overwhelming it was. So I thought they were trying to be like, oh, she has whatever her mother had and she might eventually end up. Cause remember when the, um, the mean girl was like, oh, she's going to slit her wrists by the end of the year. Something like that. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that they kept trying to play up on the fact that she might have whatever her mother has. I didn't think about the horror aspect or the ghost aspect of it until the very end of the film when she was literally able to see the ghost. Like I thought that, um, the shadowy men and stuff like that were like, because, you know, like with schizophrenia, you have auditory and um, visual hallucinations at times. Mm-hmm. I thought they were like visual hallucinations that she was seeing. And I thought that um, even with Sandy in her dream, I didn't think she was actually in the woman's, like, I didn't think Sandy was a real person. Okay. I thought that she was take because she was like, oh, um, I'm seeing places that I've never been. I thought she was taking, like, things that she might have walked by. And kind of creating that it. it was in her subconscious, then yeah. she was creating this world in her head. Yeah. I didn't know that she was actually seeing someone else's visions until the very, very end of the film when she was sitting down with the old lady and was like, oh, I'm Sandy. I was like, okay, I didn't know that. So I didn't I didn't know that this was like a ghost film until the very end of the film. Yeah, I mean... I, from a ghost film to a slasher film, like that. That, yeah. I also thought um, the old man... I knew the old man wasn't going to be... The man she was seeing again. I thought I already thought everything was real, but I think like right towards when he died, I figured that he was a police officer that she had seen in the past that one time, and then um, it was kind of like a quick vision, so you don't see him again. But I was like, this old man is not the same old. I actually thought it was gonna be the taxi driver for a second because that taxi driver was a creep. He was a creep. Like, yeah. But yeah, no. Like I was kind of live texting you while I was watching the film because I just wasn't enjoying it. Yeah. And like when I would, I would send you a message, kind of like I don't know if you were reading it, like oh, when you get to this part, it's gonna be like this. But yeah, like I really did not know that she was actually seeing ghosts. Okay. Yeah, I, and, I knew from the yeah. beginning, so maybe that's okay. why we kind of had different. Did you like read descriptions about it or something? Because I didn't read or watch anything. Did they like? I mean, I saw. Or... I read like a 
a blurb and saw a preview, but not like a description description. Yeah. I think again it was like when she had a hickey on her neck. I'm like she had to have. I thought she was really like, been there unless I thought she was like sleepwalking or something. Well, that could be it too. Yeah, I that thought she was like maybe when she like goes into her breaks, she just doesn't know what nope. was going on, mm-hmm. and she was kind of sleepwalking through life. Because remember the old man was like. He said something about a blonde, and it was like, oh, maybe it was another blonde. Yeah. And I was like, okay, maybe she sleepwalks and goes to different things when she's, like, in her psychosis state or something. But mm-hmm. I did not, like, the ghost. Also, the oof, the blonde hair, I was like, girl, that's not a good choice. I think it was also just a bad wig, but. Yeah, yeah, it was a bad yeah. wig, yeah. <laughs> um, She was annoying. Like, I did not like her character at all. Yeah, and I, again, I feel like she, I don't know, I feel like she was supposed to be, like, a character discovering herself, but in discovering herself, she kind of just emulated Sandy, which she thought was good. She got the hair, she got the coat, until she realized, oh, wait, no, this isn't great. And it kind of just made her, yeah. I feel like she was supposed to kind of be like a, I guess, movie, a scary movie person from like the 19, like 60s, 70s, where it's just like very, I'm screaming, I, I seem hysterical, but I'm really telling the truth kind of thing. Um, and I think like, again, like you said, Midsommar or something, which was the same thing where like the heroine was kind of going through it. I think like Florence Pugh did a good job of kind of encapsulating that better than this actress here. Like, I don't think she was bad. I think it was part of it is probably a direction of how she was supposed to act, but it was just like, it felt like a lot. Like I wouldn't want to be around you. I wouldn't believe you. I, it was kind of like those kind of things, yeah. even though she was right. It was kind of just. I don't know. I felt like, yeah, very scream queeny. It goes back to the direction of Edgar Wright, where I think that his style and this movie don't really, his style and this genre don't really sync all that well. Because psychological horror, I think, requires a level of precision that he didn't quite get right in this film. Like, this felt more like a. Movie that was trying to be a psychological horror didn't know how to close it, so it turned into a traditional slasher film. And I'm like, okay, this you literally have the old lady stabbing the black dude, the house burning on fire, the ghost trying to get the old lady. I'm like, this is a lot for a movie that I thought was trying to be a psychological film and isn't. Like, I the movie I was thinking about while I was watching it was Hereditary because, like I said, I thought about the mental health aspect of it. Where Hereditary, the whole film was playing up to this moment, and I think. It, la- it stuck the landing while also having a great like routine throughout the whole film. I felt like this film was like flopping and trying to figure out what it wanted to do, then fumble the landing because it didn't know quite what it was. And I think that Edgar Wright, as a horror film director, doesn't quite understand what makes a great horror film a great horror film. Mm-hmm. Like I think he, I mean, maybe he understands what makes a great horror film. It's just like it didn't translate well for him. Oh yeah, it didn't translate well for him. Yeah. Let's go into the next film, which is Baby Driver, which came out in 2017. And the description is, Baby, a music-loving orphan, also happens to be a prodigiously talented go-to getaway driver for heist mastermind Doc. With the perfect soundtrack picked out for each and every job, Baby ensures Doc's violent bank-robbing cronies, including Bunny, Bats, and Darling, get in and out of Dodge before it's too late. He's not in it for the long haul, though. Hoping to nail one last job before riding off into the sunset with beautiful waitress Deborah. Easier said than done. So, Jabari, what do you think of Baby Driver? Um, Baby Driver is a great film. Like I, it's one of those films I don't see a lot of flaws in because I feel like it's the film that most encapsulates Edgar Wright's style. Mm. Like if I someone said, "Oh, let me see," it. oh, I think I would recommend Shaun of the Dead because I feel like that's the easiest film to watch. But if someone's like, "Let me see a film that is Edgar Wright's style," I would go to Baby Driver. Like, because, like, in this film, he lets a lot of his style speak. Like, from the music to the TV shows. Um, I was watching a um, cinema, they call it Cinema Wins or something like that, where they were talking about the great aspects of the movies. And in different parts of the film, you can see Baby repeating lines from either a movie that he watched or a song that he listened to. Because the film, the um, the music and the like references to other media plays such a big role in his life. And, you know, he was awkward and whatnot that he would let them speak for him. So it was like when he would talk to the girl, he would use pickup lines from movies that he saw. Or when he would talk to the um other criminals, he would use lines from a movie that he saw. And I really thought that played well. Then he would also like, you know, always listen to music and stuff like that. 
and the songs would have like meaning for the um scene that he was in. And um I forget they could said that baby was a sampler. Like I said, he would um use music that he um he, he would were... use lines from music that he listened to. Mm-hmm. And like you know, he was literally sampling stuff like with his um cassette recorder. He would record like the the meetings of the criminals and yeah, make music at or samples out of yeah, it. Yeah, but they said almost every song in the movie was either a sampled song or a song that's been heavily sampled. Mm. So I feel like everything down in this film, like as far as Edgar Wright's style, was so intricate and played into the movie that it worked perfectly well. Yeah, I think for me, I enjoyed it. Still, I think I liked it less. This time around, um, I do, again, all the aspects that you liked about it, kind of similar to how you were with, like, Scott Pilgrim, where you didn't like some of the characters, but the aspects of the movie that you liked, you really liked. Um, I feel like a lot of the aspects of this movie I like, like like you said, the soundtrack, um, the way they utilized uh, sampling, and how he would, like, have to pick the perfect song for each bank robbery and things like that. I liked those aspects of it. Did not like Jamie Foxx. And I know we weren't supposed to like Jamie Foxx. I don't know. I feel like his characterization was just so over the top that I'm like, who would choose to work with this man a second time for this big crime after seeing how he behaved in the first, in the first one. And I think that's what bothered me. Cause again, obviously that's what led to all of the trouble at the end is that his character was just so like over the top. I'm a villain. And I, I don't know. I don't like, over the top villains like that because to me it's just not it as like believable. Trolling kind of he, villain. So so much, and he was yeah. such a big part of it. It's like, oh baby, why you got to listen to music? I'm like, let the man <laughs> listen to music. If he's getting the job done, he's getting the job done. Like, because let's call it what's his name, um, John Ham. Mm-hmm. He was kind of like the more subtle villain, but he was no, he was the true main villain in the end. Yeah. While Jamie Foxx was kind of like the more ha ha villain. It just was but, so more yeah. ha to me. It was so, I was just like, oh my god, I need this man off my. And I like, I think Jamie Foxx is like a good actor. A good actor. Yeah. He's really talented, but he picked some real rough roles these past couple. Of yeah, though. So yeah, that he had the um, electro. I didn't see that Spider Man, oh, yeah, but don't watch it. It's terrible. I think he's actually might be. Rumor has it in No Way Home. So I wouldn't be surprised because they're supposed to do like the whole multiverse thing yeah. with uh, all of the Spider Mans and comes some this of the year? villains on December. Okay. Um. But yeah, I think some of the aspects. I like the fact that even like his, um, the man who took him. I think he took him in, right? Ooh. The older black oh, man. Oh, the magical negro. Yeah, yeah the magical, <laughs> the magical negro. Um, I like the how he listened to the music with like you show how deaf people can actually like listen to music in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, even baby had like tinnitus, so that's kind of part of the reason why he always listen always listen to music yeah. is because it helped him with the the buzzing, mm-hmm. um, in his ears. Yep. And I don't know. I, I I liked some aspects of it. I think like in ter- like you're saying in terms of Edgar Wright style, this like showed it a lot. I just think like I don't like mustache twirling villains, and I feel like I when I was watching him, like he's so mustache twirling that it kind of takes away from like the realism. Like this man is killing cops, and he's like, well, he was a cop. I'm like, no one acts. I mean, maybe <laughs> some criminals do, but it just felt so. Yeah, and then Deborah again. Deborah had no agency of her own. I'm like, why are we? Why are we being ride or die for this man you just I, met? I'm a little bit more forgiving of this film for not giving the side characters agency because the whole film was so cartoonish. That's true. Yeah, that I'm kind of like, it's not an excuse, but it's kind of like, okay, I'm a little bit. It's like the characters not having agency in Scott Pilgrim was a little bit less forgivable because I hated the main character. Baby's mm. a really likable character, I think, personally, like. He's yeah. not like it's not like oh my god, baby's so well written. It's just kind of like he minds his business and is doing his own thing. And he's trying. He, it's not like and it's also like not like baby wants to be in this world. It's, yeah, he kind of ended out. up being. Yeah, he's trying like, to get they out. Got the whole sad orphan backstory. Like mm-hmm. I kind of was a little bit more forgiving of baby, so I didn't mind the lack of agency because the world was so like mustache twirling. Yeah, I mean not mustache, so cartoonish. I like <laughs> that. Um, like when he's dancing, walking down the street, mm-hmm. you got graffiti in the background. That's pretty much giving an indication of how he's feeling. Also, this like, was a very white Atlanta. Oh yeah, super like, white. Atlanta. <laughs> the whitest Atlanta I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> but like when he's sitting in the um in the cafe and they do the pan over, you mm-hmm. can literally see the heart as the girl comes up. Yeah. So it was like the whole world was just so cartoonish that I'm like, okay, I could kind of forgive it. Like Jamie Foxx was like the typical cliche wahaha villain, but it didn't bother me as much because this whole world was like acme cartoonish anyway. So. Yeah, I think one thing I did like a lot. Um, 
was the way the subtle ways they try to show I guess the baby's character like although he was committing all these crimes he would it wasn't really subtle actually it was not subtle at all but um, he would like make sure that the woman got her baby and stuff like that because I feel like again Jamie Foxx's psycho character probably would have just kept the baby in the car um it wasn't subtle yeah it wasn't subtle or dropping money in homeless people's cups yeah the way he would um (laughs) open the the, old ladies cross the street give the old lady her bag back when he stole her car but I think it's like that I think that made it interesting it's like okay I'm gonna rob your car so like I need this but I'm gonna let you not you know not have your purse you probably still need your phone and everything your ID and your wallet you're not gonna have a car but you have this at least a little bit more likable than um because even Simon even Simon Pegg and Shaun of the Dead was a little bit like you kind of are a bum he was he definitely a bum but like, yeah. he was trying i think he was trying to be better he was trying but it's like he was just kind of like a jerk like you know like one thing was, make a reservation for the restaurant you couldn't do that yeah i but, think he was maybe not a jerk maybe just like i feel like he was lazy and that was a problem irresponsible i think that's perfect 29 in that film like really i think he probably was really 29 you know just but, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay but um male pattern baldness happens early for happens. some people yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um so i think that um baby was probably the most likable protagonist of the Edgar Wright films that we watched yeah and it's not like Edgar Wright put a lot of time into like developing baby as this amazing character I think it was just his lack of jerk qualities made him like more like compared to the other ones. ones. Just like their jerk qualities paled in comparison. I mean, was massive in comparison to their likable qualities. Yeah, it's like Baby didn't really have too many jerk qualities. Like he was in a world of crime, but it's like you know what though? I would say with Scott Pilgrim that I think the side characters were not super developed, but they were more developed than maybe here even. Except for Ramona. Ramona was probably, like, the least developed of the side characters. But it felt like the side characters were, like, a little bit more developed in that one. Or at least you got to know them a little bit more. In this one, you kind of didn't really get to know them. Except for, I guess, Buddy, Bats, and Darling. And mm-hmm. Buddy, you only got to know him because you find out he was, like, a... Um, Buddy's the John Ham, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you found out that he was, um, like, a Wall Street kind of dude who... Yeah. Got in over his head and then ended up like I guess marrying Bats. I don't remember the names. Okay, well the his girlfriend, his wife, um, and her, her little monologue was corny. But yeah. <laughs> and it's again back again back to Jamie Foxx's character. Like, why do you need to kill people and steal things in every place you go to? Like, it just it makes it easier to catch you at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but he was in a world where it's like the cops are idiots. That's true. So it's like you go into a diner and like just pay. Like, why do you need a yeah beat up? Just, like, it's just it's like you. You're, he's like, what's the jerkish thing I could do at every place that I go to? Choosing violence every day of his yeah, life, choosing chaos. Day. Like it was unnecessary. <laughs> like, I could pay for this food, <laughs> or, or I could choose violence. Yeah, violence it is. Like, why? Why are <laughs> we doing this? Like that though. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, it was it was still good. I think style wise, it was still like an interesting. Um, Edgar Wright movie and it definitely leaned into his style. Maybe it's also because he was able to develop his style over the years and this is one of his later movies mm-hmm. so like this is the last movie that came out before Last Night in Soho so I feel like the more you get to develop your style the more prominent it becomes in each movie yep. and I think that the only reason maybe Last Night in Soho wasn't um, as stylized as, or it wasn't stylized but it didn't work as much it's just because he stepped out of his normal genre which although Baby Driver isn't like pure comedy it still has like comedy aspects mm-hmm. to it it has a lot um, of comedy in it yeah and it's light hearted it's like more light hearted yeah. than like Last Night in Soho which is like I'm trying to be a psychological horror so yeah. that felt like he was trying to take his style step out of his realm and um, apply it to a different genre versus Baby Driver was like, okay, I've made Shaun of the Dead, I've made mm-hmm. Hot Fuzz, I've made The World's End. I understand why he would want to do that. Like, when you're an artist, oh, yeah, you for want sure. to kind of diversify your Try different things. art a little bit, but it's not always going to succeed. I mean, like, it's like uh, Kean Peele was a, or not Kean Peele, but uh, Jordan Peele, he was oh, a yeah. comedian, and now he's like, I'm going to make psychological horror movies, and yeah. it works for him. Um, it definitely works, but um, I think that um, as a, you know, when artists do step out of their genre, sometimes you realize what makes you great at your own genre. It's like the guy that does the um British gangster films and only does the British gangster films, like Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. Um, you know what I'm talking about. He always works with um, what's that guy's name? The bald dude that is in every British gangster movie now. 
Jason Statham. Yeah, Jason Statham. You're Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie yeah, Guy yeah. Ritchie makes Guy Ritchie films. Guy Ritchie makes Michael Guy Bay Ritchie makes film. Michael Bay yeah. films. Like you're not expecting Michael Bay to make like a yeah. hard hitting drama or something like that, or even like a hard movie. Like yeah, I'm gonna like, go I'm to not see him. Michael Bay to make um. Midsummer Land, yeah, like, like that. Like you don't see Michael yeah, Bay <laughs> X A twenty four or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like I'm gonna go see a Michael Bay movie to see explosions and lens flare. And yeah. if you like it, you like it. If you don't, then don't go see a Michael Bay film because exactly. you know what you're getting. Yeah. But this, I think, last night in Soho was um, Edgar Wright's least Edgar Wright film mm-hmm. because of the genre that it was trying to play with. And like I said, um, Baby Driver was his most Edgar Wright movie, while Last Night in Soho was least Edgar Wright movie. And they all have like similar aspects. Like every single character in all his movies are music lovers. Um, I don't remember it if there's like that in Hot Fuzz. I haven't seen Hot Fuzz in a long time. So yeah, I don't remember. I, I don't remember either. But, I know. And like yeah, last night in Soho, that music even still in that one, it definitely played an aspect. Played you know, well yeah, it was, because it was that's her, kind um, of what connected her to the yeah, it was 1960s. Her to the 60s. Mm-hmm. Like she wouldn't have cared about the 60s if it wasn't for her grandmother. I guess putting her on to like 1960s records 60s and yeah, yeah. There was a good um. Actually, just to talk about like last night, so a little bit more. There was a good um, I don't know if you caught it. So when S- old Sandy was talking about the sixties, um, it showed the album with the woman who. Oh, not that part. It was um when the girl from the two thousand she came into her. She's like, "Oh my god, the sixties was was lovely. You must have loved it." And she was like, "Eh, the music was better." It's like that was the only, only positive thing she mm. could point out about the sixties because you know she was going through it. Yeah, so it's like I I really liked that because I didn't catch that. Until after, like, I started reading it on Reddit and people catching things. It's like yeah. the crazy things that people catch that you would never catch. You know what I did like about that one? Um, again, kind of similar to his style is the way it utilized the light from the restaurant sign in her room. So, like, so when she was going to sleep and she was about to slip into the 1960s, a lot of time it would be, like, this bright room. I'm like, I'm, most people would just get, like, blackening curtains, but they wanted to keep the red of the I really like sign in the, yeah. When I was talking about the cinematography, that's like part of it. It's like the lighting and stuff is beautiful. So it'll be like the light flashing. What was it like? Red. And then you blue. see a new man and then a new man yeah. with the, each flash. I think that, that was, was really, yeah. Like the, whoever was the cinematographer of this movie deserves a lot of credit because mm-hmm. they, they killed it. Even the scene where she was just like lying in bed and you look up to the, uh, mm-hmm. also I would think you wouldn't want a, a ceiling mirror. Oh, that's creepy. If you were a prostitute because it's just like you got to look at yourself every time you do this. I mean, I wouldn't want, a I wouldn't want it anyways, point, but yeah. you know, like if you're really hurting inside, I think you probably would take that down. But um, I think that was an interesting way to kind of, when she was with like the boy who she should have, he should have left her or whatever. But her seeing her from the ceiling, I think was like an interesting way to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, with like, yes, I guess that cinematography or directing style. Um, even the way like the, I think there was like a point where like the faces started coming through the walls and things mm-hmm. like that. I think, again, I think there was some interesting filming aspects of Flash Science Soho. And again, the stories in the sixties, I get, we're kind of like left baby driver, but yeah. um I think th- those aspects were interesting. I think the the problem lied in like the two thousand story and just how that was told. And I feel like it could have yeah. been stronger. And I think maybe he could dip his toe in the horror genre again and then maybe just learn from some of the mistakes of this movie to make a stronger one in the future. Because you do have some creepy aspects of things like Hot Fuzz, where you have like a town of people mm-hmm. like committing murders and stuff, and this cop trying to figure it out. So you can you have some of it in there. It's just like you have to I guess hone that. Uh, style a bit more that genre yeah horror in general is a really tough genre to play with because it's i think it's my favorite genre personally but it requires a level of intricacy that i think that everyone doesn't know how to tap into Mm -hmm. but i think that a lot of directors do try to play with it because of it helps you say certain things that you might be trying to say that you can't say in a comedy or you might not be able to say in an action film yeah it makes me think of um in a way this is like similar or not, but like Bojack Horseman. Cause mm-hmm. I feel like Bojack Horseman being a cartoon or even like perfect blue and stuff, those things being cartoons allows you to say things that if you said it in live action, it would be way too dark to mm-hmm. actually, or it wouldn't be way too dark, but it would be a lot darker. And I think people would feel like a lot more like, mm, I'm very uncomfortable just because it's like humans. You're seeing real people do this versus like in Bojack Horseman, you're seeing a horse, you know, mm-hmm be this creeper versus like a real man or something like in Hollywood. And I think like certain things again in horror the same way, like it allows you to make certain comments or 
again, like the likening of um, women to certain things using demons or this or this being like a sexual awakening, but you're using it like not an actual like person doing it, but she's possessed or something like things like that you mm-hmm. could do in horror movies that you probably wouldn't be able to do the same way in other genres without telling you directly see your face yeah like in a drama drama is a little bit less nuanced than the horror like horror you could use certain elements to play up themes mm-hmm. while in drama it's kind of like this is what the movie's about yeah and we're gonna tell you like there's a i mean i'm not gonna act like dramas aren't good like there's a lot no, of really great dramas drama films, are, yeah dramas are good, be great yeah it's just that in horror films i think you could play on certain things more thematically than you might be able to in than in um other genres like I know everyone didn't love it as much as I did, but in um, Candyman, how they were trying to talk about like the aspects of gentrification and blah, 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 while using him as a backdrop to kind of be like black resistance in a way. Yeah. In a movie that was more directly in your face, it would have just been like, we're going to do a protest to show black resistance. And this one, it's like, we're going to use someone to kill people to show black resistance or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I agree. I think Candyman was a little bit too in your face mm-hmm. um, with that, but... I do think, yeah, again, or uh, you can talk about, like, we're showing black resistance through a figure as opposed to, like, let's take to the streets and march today. It's kind yeah. of like, yeah, like, <laughs> let's do something a little bit different um, in a horror movie. And I do think that's what makes horror movies interesting. Or yeah. even sometimes comedies because you can joke about it mm-hmm. instead of, like, being extremely serious about it. But I think, yeah, every genre has kind of its pros and... Yeah, yeah. No, no genre is perfect. Yeah. No genre is definitely perfect. And it takes certain people are better, again, at some genres than others. Yeah. And it's not necessarily like a flaw. It's just kind I of like I'll never no be mad at you, the director yeah. for branching out of what their comfort zone is. Mm-hmm. It's not always going to work. But, I mean, I'm, I get it. Like, if you're doing X for your whole career, you might want to try Y just to, like, kind of mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Um. Okay, so lastly... Let's talk about your rankings of these movies. How would you rank them? Best to um, worst. Or worst to best. I'm going to start at the worst because it's easy to last night in Soho. Um, I would go <laughs> last night in Soho at bottom. Um, Probably Scott Pilgrim after that. Then Shaun of the Dead and Baby Driver number one. Mm. Yeah, last night in Soho for me at the bottom. And then... Baby Driver, three, Scott Pilgrim, second, and Shaun of the Dead, first. Okay. Like, my one through, like, one through Scott Pilgrim are all good films. Like, I'm not going to act like, it's not like, you know, that's one thing I don't like about Rankin is that people be like, oh, my God, that's the worst. Like, it's like. It's kind of like a tight race. all the way over here for me, Mm -hmm. while the other ones are over here. Like, people can't see me doing these in my hands. (laughs) It's not good. Um, Podcasting, Podcasting, yeah. So, it's like, I just think that. Three that I do like are way better than Last Night in Soho. So it's like it's a tight um, race. Shaun of the Dead and Baby Driver are really close. It's mm-hmm. like given the day, I might watch one of the over the other. I just think Baby Driver was a better made film, mm-hmm. but Shaun of the Dead might be a movie that I might prefer to watch because of its lighter, lighthearted aspects and easier to watch and blah blah blah. It being more of a comedy than Baby Driver. Yeah, I agree. I think ranking sometimes can make it seem like you're saying these movies are bad and where it's just like yeah. it's not bad it's just i prefer this one to this one and again some days some days the ranking rankings can change maybe tomorrow i'll prefer baby driver to yeah. scott pilgrim or maybe i'll prefer scott pilgrim to Shaun of the dead um i just thought it might be fun to since we watch just four of his movies to yeah. rank them and see which ones we like best it's easy to do off the top of the head when you like one way less than the other yeah <laughs> i don't really have to think too hard about that one nah. and maybe you'll revisit last night in soho in a couple I was of years nice enough to and, this whole time talking about the good cinematography um, and i did not like that movie at all maybe you'll revisit it in a couple of years and it'll be your number one edgar wright film you'll be like i did not realize maybe this when, cut when they give the black yeah, guy a little bit more personality more agency show him in south london yeah yeah um but all right, that's the end of this episode. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, Edgar Wright is obviously a talented director with his own unique style. I would say um, if you're checking out his movies, definitely be open to the um, uniqueness of it and just embrace it. Like, don't go in and expecting, like, these super deep drama films. Just know that you're going to get movies that are very um, style-heavy. And that's okay. Like, I love stylized film. Like, you, there's certain things you could do in some mediums that you can't do in others. 
the visual and editing style, watch the editing style of his movies because it's very unique. Similar to Satoshi Kon, how his editing plays a large role in the storytelling. Editing plays a large role in Edgar Wright's storytelling, and I think that if you're watching it, definitely look out for some of the cool editing tricks because, like they say, great artists still, so don't be afraid to utilize some of those elements if you're making your own film one day. Yeah, um, I agree. I think that his style is very unique, and all his films are pretty enjoyable. Um, I like the way he you utilizes the frame, utilizes music. I think it's very unique to him, and I enjoyed watching his movies over this like past couple weeks. So with that, that's the end of this week's episode of That Brooklyn Film Show. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe wherever you can, and bye. All right, bye.